But I'm thankful not only I don't deserve to be a servant, but I'm thankful not only to be a servant, I'm glad to be the son and the child of a king. Kind of help you this morning, won't it? That's good. That's good. Open your Bibles again to Proverbs chapter 9, <clears throat> verse number 10 is our text verse. And uh, the Bible says in verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Notice the phrase, if you will, the fear of the Lord. I'm preaching this morning on this subject and it will apply to every person no matter your age or stage of life. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, finding my place in life. Finding my place in life. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I beg of you, uh, Holy Spirit of God, that you would empower the preaching of your word this morning. Thank you for being so evident in our church this morning, even in the fellowship that began before Sunday school. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the fellowship that we've enjoyed, not only uh, with one another, but our spirit bearing witness with your spirit that we are uh, the children of God. I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Please help me as I preach. Oh, how I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a personal uh, illustration to begin uh, the message this morning and to lay the foundation. I recently analyzed the personal counseling of people and groups of people that have uh, asked my counsel or advice over the last few weeks. And uh, as I looked at all of their questions and notes uh, I made in meeting with them, I concluded this one thing. Everyone wants to know their place in life right now in the will of God. Every person that talked to me, they're looking for uh, their place in life in the will of God for right now. I'll give you uh, a list of things that I uh, made note of. Uh, first of all, I met with uh, Christian, uh, all, all Christian people. Uh, I'm not talking about the folks I witnessed to. I'm talking about folks that just came to my office or I talked to on the phone. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I met with teenagers that asked me the question, uh, Preacher, what do you think I should do this summer? Uh, here are my options and how do I decide uh, what to do <coughs> excuse me, with my life uh, this summer? I met with several college students, quite a few college students, and they asked me questions about the will of God, uh, specifically uh, where uh, should I go or how do I make the decision of where I should serve after I graduate from college in May. Uh, some called to be pastors, some assistant pastors, some teachers, uh, some missionaries. Preacher, how do I know uh, God's will for my life after I graduate? Uh, some ask questions about marriage, and some fellows, I told them, you don't have to worry about it. Um, I, I'm just kidding. I've asked questions about timing and guidance, and preacher, uh, can you give me counsel as far as uh, being uh, uh, doing this uh, proper as far as uh, talking to her parents and, and uh, just talking about marriage? Uh, questions of personal and spiritual discernment. Uh, young men and young ladies alike saying, uh, preacher, I want to work on my life spiritually. Can you give me some guidelines on uh, how to grow spiritually, how to develop spiritually? 
I met with families who had questions about uh, situations affected by uh, their finances or by their health or by decisions uh, they've made in life. I met with folks that are retiring or retired and they asked the question, how can I know best how to live out my uh, retirement years, my final years of life? I don't want to uh, sit on a shelf. I don't want to sit on a couch. I want to I want to serve God. How can I best serve God and uh, with uh, my life after retirement? I talked to two different pulpit committees that called me this week looking for a pastor for uh, their church. And they're talking about the next chapter of ministry, the next chapter of work for uh, their local church. I enjoyed time and staff meetings this week as we talked about uh, spring and summer activities. Uh, we had a good deacons meeting uh, this week, and I always enjoy the fellowship uh, with the good men that serve as deacons. And we talked about uh, the state of our church and the future of our church. How can we best accomplish God's will? How can we reach the most number of people for Christ and take care of the folks that are in our church and helping them to grow in the Lord. I met with several folks that work in state government. I think over the last uh, three weeks, I met with 12 or 13 different individuals that would be in that category that asked me questions about uh, just various parts of, of, of our uh, of, of government and bills or laws that had been or should be passed questions and concerns about the condition and future of our nation. And uh, all of these meetings had to do with what is God's will for my life uh, at this time of life. Uh, I, I want to speak this morning, I'm going to preach this morning on how all of us can find uh, the will of God for our lives, for whatever our age and whatever our stage is in life. And I want to say this morning, personally, I don't want to live life selfishly. Uh, Solomon already gave us an example of one that could experience anything and everything in life. He said, I got to experience every entertainment. I got to see everything there was to see, eat everything there was to eat. And he said, here's what it valued, zero. <clears throat> it was all vanity. It was all empty. I thought I'd find joy in this, and it was empty. And I thought I'd find joy in this. And he says in the end that we should just fear God and do His commandments. To serve God, uh, to fear God and do His commandments. I don't, I don't want to live life just going through life. I, I don't want to because that's too vain. Uh, that's too empty. One day I'll stand before God and I will give an account for how I've lived uh, my life. In the middle of the Bible, there are five books that we refer to as uh, wisdom literature or poetic wisdom. And those five books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and uh, the Song of Solomon. The focus of these books is to instruct men in the will and ways of the Lord and how we're to serve Him and how we are to worship Him. Specifically, the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom and teachings that Solomon collected for his son, showing this young man how to live life in a manner that was pleasing to the Lord. And I believe the two verses that unlock all of the book of Proverbs are Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the other is very similar, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7, 
uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, hear me well. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, uh, wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. Man's wisdom has made a fool out of a many educated people because uh, they use what they know in their way rather than in God's way, and it fails. It fails. I don't, I don't want to live life as an experiment, look back and say, my goodness, I failed. I don't want to fail. I want to follow the formulas. I want to follow the word of God. So here's what he says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I want to preach this morning on this subject. To find my place in life, I must understand what it means to fear the Lord. Now I have a grave concern about this today. The average person never thinks about the fear of the Lord in living their life. They never think about what God said is right or what God said is wrong and the, and, 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 uh, the results that will come from making those decisions. Uh, some will follow what the church teaches. Some will follow what the family uh, teaches or what a grandfather taught. May I say this morning, every single person must understand what it is and how to live in the fear of the Lord. Are you with me this morning? In the fear of the Lord. If America is to ever have a spiritual awakening, it will come when we recognize that there's a God in heaven that we must have a reverential awe for and there must be a fear of. Now, I want to say first of all that this fear is not a fear uh, that we're afraid someone is going to hurt or abuse us. When we, when we think of fear, we think a feeling of anxiety that's produced by uh, the presence or nearness of a danger. Uh, the feeling when you get, when all of a sudden see a snake or, or maybe even a mouse or somebody that you didn't expect to see. Uh, and and, and, and that, that's what we think of when we think of fear. That's not what he's talking about in these verses. He's not talking about a fear. He's talking about this. Uh, boys are running in the hallway and the principal steps out of his uh, uh, office and into the hallway and all of a sudden they put their brakes on and they come to a stop, stand at attention, good morning sir, and walk right on down the hallway. Now they don't have a fear that he's going to abuse them, that they do have a fear they're going to get in trouble if they don't stop running. So the Bible here is talking about a fear of the Lord that we understand that there is a line that we cannot cross without facing the chastisement of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that God chastens every son that he receiveth? Raise your hand. I don't know about you, but I don't like chastening. I like blessings. So I want to live my life in the fear of the Lord. I want to take this book and understand that I need to live in the bounds or boundaries uh, uh, that the Word of God has set. When I look at the Ten Commandments and I look at uh, the instruction that God has given, I want to live my life in a fearful, awesome respect of who God is. Now some just see God as one that's able to chasten them when they do wrong, uh, but something better than that is a God who can bless you for doing right. 
Did you hear what I said? I don't, I don't just fear God and think of him as one that can chasten me for doing wrong, but he blesses me when I do right according to his will. I'm going to preach to you today and tell you there's no hope for a spiritual awakening in our nation. There's no hope for a spiritual awakening in our church unless we come to the fact that we have a fearful respect of the God of heaven and of his word. When we fear the Lord, we recognize he's the creator, we're the creature. He's the master, we're the servants. He's the father, we're the children. He's the judge, we are the subjects. We are under his sovereign control. We express our fear of God and our respect for God and his word. Listen to me, having a desire to do what he tells us to do in the word of God. Now, if the right kind of fear is present, the right kind of fear is present, uh, we know that God, he's never going to abuse us. Now, he's going to chasten us when we do wrong. But the right kind of fear is present. We will always desire to please the Heavenly Father. The greatest compliment, the most encouraging thing my dad ever said to me was, that's a good job, son, I'm proud of you. I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted him to say of me, you did a good job. That's what I want you to do. Can I tell you something? I want to live my life to stand before him and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, if you have your Bibles, just open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to preach to you this morning what the blessings of the fear of the Lord are. And then when you look at the opposite of those blessings, you recognize where our nation is. You recognize where many of our folks in our churches in America are away from God. And it's all connected to a fear of the Lord or a lack thereof. First of all, uh, the fear of the Lord produces a knowledge. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 verse number 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7, the Bible says in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The average American does not even recognize that there's a God in heaven that one day they'll stand before. And I'm not just concerned about the day I'll stand before him. I understand what power and what ability he has in my life, not, not just in judgment, but today to either bring punishment or to bring bring blessing I need to have knowledge and so the Bible says the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and then it says but fools despise wisdom and instruction we need the knowledge of the Lord he says in Proverbs 15 33 the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility do you understand that man's wisdom alone is foolishness to God? It's foolishness to God. God is not impressed with my wisdom. In fact, as I taught this past Wednesday night, there's no need for me to live in man's wisdom when God's wisdom is available. And I want to live in the fear of the Lord, first of all, because the fear of the Lord, it brings knowledge. Second of all, the fear of the Lord motivates us to holiness. It motivates us to holiness. 
We lack a desire. We lack a presentation of holiness. Now look at me, I'm going to preach to you. The average Christian tries to live a tad better than the world, sometimes looking like, dressing like, being just like the world, maybe having some difference, but never wanting to be ostracized from the world. May I say this morning, the fear of God motivates us to holiness. One of the great memories I have of life is just pray, playing with the fellows uh, in the uh, uh, area of the holler where I live. We get together, play football, basketball, and uh, there would be times they would say something, and I thought, boy, if my dad ever heard me say that, he'd wear me out. Or they would say, let's do this or let's do that, and I would say, I can't do that. Why can't you? I said, because my dad would give me a whipping if I did that. Now, may I tell you something? The fear of the Lord brings holiness in our lives. When we think of who God is and who His holiness is and how God chastens those that step outside of His will. Here's what He says, Proverbs 3, 7. If you want to look at your Bibles there, Proverbs 3, 7, the Bible says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And depart from evil. Proverbs 16, verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 6, talking about the fear of the Lord again. It says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Uh, but by the, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I don't know about you, but I'm very concerned about our nation when we have not only uh, cities in chaos, but we have immigrants or we have uh, uh, illegals that come, illegals that come and they can, uh, they can uh, publicly uh, uh, abuse or hurt or assault a police officer and we have folks that are judges and prosecutors that do nothing to them and seem to promote uh, uh, that. Friend, can I tell you, we need a revival of a fear of the Lord because if there's no fear of the Lord, there's no fear for authority in our nation. We need to get back to respecting the teacher in the classroom and the policeman on the street. We need to get back to respecting parents and grandparents and respecting those who are in authority. And we can't have that unless we have a revival of a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life. Proverbs chapter 10, look at it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 7, the Bible says this, and you'll find this phrase 18 times in the book of Proverbs. You'll find it 27 times in the Bible. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Do you see what the Bible says? The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. How many have shortened? in their life because they said and here's how they said I don't, I'm not afraid of God here's what they said that preacher's not going to tell me what to do can I tell you something friend I've never tried to tell anybody what to do but I do preach this book and it's not me you have to be concerned about it's the God of that Bible right there it's a God of that Bible. I don't care what the date or the century or the time is. Uh, the, our God is a sovereign God that's on his throne. And you're going to cut your days and your life short if you don't live in a fearful respect of an almighty God. I love the next one, Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord produces a security. 
It produces a security. You remember the days when we lived in our homes and we never thought about locking the door because we lived in a neighborhood of God-fearing people. That phrase, God-fearing, has been used throughout the history of our nation. But we've come to the place today, folks think it's funny and fun to say, I don't fear God. I don't fear anything. I'm going to tell you something, dear friend, not just in Judgment Day, but today we need to have a fear of God. And when you have a fear of God, it brings a sense of security. The Bible says this in Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. When we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we have confidence that God is with us and we have confidence that God is for us. Paul wrote to the Christians at Rome and he said in Romans 8, 31, What shall we say then if God be for us, who can be against us? What a wonderful thing to have that reverential awe and that respect and fear of the Lord. I'll say this, number five, the fear of the Lord produces life. It produces life. Uh, Proverbs 14, 27, look at that quickly. Uh, Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. That's what the devil is doing today. He's going about setting up snares and setting up entrapments. And sadly, there are those who say, I have no fear of God, and they step in one trap after another. How sad it is, how sad it is that so many lives are lost every day uh, to suicide. So many uh, lives are lost every day uh, to drug overdose. How sad it is. Those are the snares of the devil. They think that those drugs are an escape from life. They're not an escape from life. Those are a snare of the devil. Oh, but the word of God says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs 15, 16. We find it again. The fear of the Lord makes life better. And the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 16, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great tre uh, treasure and trouble therewith. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. 30 years ago, my good friend Dean Damaris, he, he, he wrote a series of Sunday school lessons where it says life is better. And he entitled those lessons, Life is Better When You Know What Better Is. Everybody's searching for better, but the Bible defines what better is, and it begins with the fear of the Lord. And I, I love that. Better is little is little with the fear of the Lord. I told that story about Norma House that, that, that uh, gave me the five $1 bills. That Joel told me a story. He said, you know, when my wife and I got married what, 10 years ago, 11, 15, you've been married 15 years. That's a long time. Your mama's getting old. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he said, you know, Dad, I've never forgotten. He said, I, uh, we, we got a, a card from Norma House. It was $5. It was a couple dollar bills and change and a note. She was a giver. Life is better when you know what better is. Life is better with the fear of the Lord. Hey, life is better with the fear of the Lord. Life is better when we fear God. It's a fountain of life. 
Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 19.23. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord produces satisfaction. It produces satisfaction and it produces safety. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. Satisfied, oh I love that word. He shall not be visited with evil. The fear of the Lord tendeth, tendeth, tendeth to life. That word tendeth. You ever use the word tendeth? You ever heard your grandparents say, I've been tending the garden today? Anybody ever heard that tending the garden? Tending the garden? The Bible says the fear of the Lord tendeth. It nourishes. It promotes. It helps your life. Oh, but the opposite of that. Uh, the Bible said he'll not be visited with evil. Those that have no fear of the Lord, they may boast it. They may, uh, uh, they may brag about it. Oh, but dear friend, they're visited of evil. I enjoy life and oh, how we need a revival of the fear of the Lord. It's not just your parents that's watching. It's not just the authority that's watching. There's a God in heaven that watches over us. We ought to be honest and clean and sincere and have integrity. We ought to live right because God is watching over us. Proverbs 22, 4. Proverbs 22, 4. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. The fear of the Lord brings great Blessings. Now here's the close of the message. To live in the fear of the Lord is a decision. God's not going to come down in a big scary costume and scare you. Nothing's going to happen to cause you to, to just be afraid of God. It's a decision to pick up this book and say, okay, I believe the Bible is true. I believe there's a God in heaven, and I'm going to live my life by the standards. I'm going to live my life by the principles of this book because I fear when I go outside of those, God can chasten me. I fear when I go outside of those, I'll lose the blessings of the Lord. I've been reading recently of the memoirs and biographies of leaders during World War II and that era, Roosevelt, Truman, and Eisenhower. Truman was a Democrat. Truman was, he grew up in a Baptist church, saved and baptized in a Baptist church when he was young. In conversation with Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a Republican, he had been the general and led our allied forces to great victory in World War II. He said in those six years, in those six years as a general and leading those forces, never a day went by that I didn't think about my dependence and need for God. Truman, the Democrat, said to Eisenhower, the Republican, he said, Ike, why don't you run for president? in this term and you'll find in their memoirs that they talked about their concern for America was that we were losing our fear of God I, Ike did not accept that 
Truman ran for president and he defeated the governor of New York, which was Dewey, the Republican. It was a tight race. It was the next term that Eisenhower ran for and won as president. And his greatest concern was that America would lose its fear of the Lord. Many criticized his inaugural speech. He said to Billy Graham, he said, I want you to help me with my speech. I don't want it to sound like a sermon, but I want everybody to know we have to return to a fear of God and the Word of God. And I want to say today, as those men stated in that era of World War II, and I'm going to finish this message tonight as I preach on we need God to do something big We're in an era of time that without doubt and leaders all over the world fear that we're approaching World War III and and, and none of that. And, and, And it may look like a video game on television, but my friend, war is disastrous and death and how awful and terrible it is. We need God to do something big. And the first step that you and I need to take as individuals is to make the decision I personally am going to live my life in the fear of the Lord. America was built on that kind of an integrity. It was built on that type of honesty. And I grew up in a generation where many men I knew weren't saved. And we worked to get them to trust in Christ as Savior. But you could describe them as a God-fearing citizen. May I say this morning, you need to be born again. Ah, but listen, children and teens and adults alike, let's return to living our lives in the fear of the Lord, understanding God can chasten us when we cross the line. Or when we cross the line, we can lose the blessings of the Lord. I want to live in that wonderful path of life that produces the blessings of God. Oh, dear Christian, there ought to be times in this week that we fall on our face and our knees in humility and say, Oh God, we need you. I know we need you in our nation, but I want you in my life. Stand with me, if you will. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. You need to trust Him today. If you've you've been saved and not baptized, you you ought to be obedient to Christ in believer's baptism. But may I say to you, as I said to every single person I listed in the beginning of the message, the way you find God's will in your place in life, you come to the place that you yield yourself in the fear of the Lord to say, God, you're in control, and I want to yield my life to your will. The answer to finding my place in life is to live in the fear of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the message this morning. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we would so live our lives that we would call others back to a fear of God. We need not laugh when others use your name in vain. We need not participate when others do things that are against your word and your will. But we ought to be a shining light. We ought to be salt and light in this dark world. We need to take the cover off, the bushel off, the lamp off, and let our light shine that this world may see our good works that glorifies the Father. I'm concerned for the coming generation. 
Lord, as I rejoice in the birth of those that we've celebrated here in our own church. And yet, Lord, if we don't get back to the fear of the Lord, our nation's in trouble. May it begin in our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.